Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys, we have a very, very special guest with us today. That's J.P. Finley, beat reporter for the Washington Commanders for NBC4 Sports. You can also catch up weekdays on 106.7, The Fan in Washington. And nationwide on the Odyssey app. So, welcome to the show, JP. Really appreciate you having. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, show. happy to join you. Thanks. Yeah, definitely, man. And there's so much to get into with this team, man. Like, you know, from the sale of the team, you know, Eric Bieniemy bringing in a new offense, Sam Howell named the starting quarterback. You know, we want to hit all all this stuff, but like, this is a fantasy football show, man. We're we're excited about these players, um, and I just want to kind of hear a little bit more. Um, you know, just overall of, of how the squad has reacted to the ownership change. You know, maybe not just like the, you know, all the details of what is going to entail for this franchise, but has there been a, a, a um, you know, a, a noticeable impact on the players themselves? Ha, it, you know, has the vibe changed a little bit since that happened? Oh, yeah. I, now, how long does that carry over? I mean, what impact does it make in the regular season? Who knows? But just the, a lot of it is like kind of the negativity and toxicity really got to the fans, which in turn kind of got to the players. Um, Antonio Gibson is a guy that I'm, you're probably going to ask me about if we're talking fantasy. Um, Gibson said something at the podium about how much better it is just when he posts a video, like a picture to his Instagram that he doesn't get a hundred comments of like, Hey, Dan Snyder sucks, you know? And, wow. and I, I think that stuff, whether it's small or big remains to be seen, but that stuff makes an impact, and I think it's a positive one. Yeah, no, I, I, I can, I can tell, man, and just the vibe around the whole team, you know, and you know, from just, just, just the reporters reporting stuff and the fans, uh, you know, just interacting with, with the reporters and what they're saying, and the players too. It, it's going to make an impact, right? Because you know, the, 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 the positivity, like you said, is going to change, and now we can kind of just focus on football. Right, like we don't really need to focus on all that other stuff. Now, I want to hit on Eric Bieniemy. There have been some rum uh, rumblings about his coaching style 
rubbing some players the wrong way. For some players, it might be fine. But what are some of the players referring to there? Like, that's the first question, right? And the yeah. second, probably more important question is what are the major differences you're seeing uh, in how the enemy is running this offense so far from an X and O's perspective uh, standpoint? Should, you know, should we expect a balanced offense? Are we leaning in, you know, one way over the other? Just, just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start with the offensive stuff. I, I think Scott Turner's system, now it's 40 years rem- changed and evolved, but it's like from that Air Coryell, more of a vertical passing game. Um, the enemy's going to come in and, and run a, a West Coast where they're, I think there'll be a much bigger focus on the quick game. And then with a guy like Sam Howell, who's pretty mobile, I, I think, not, not that I'm comparing these two players whatsoever, but a lot of those designed not designed runs, but designed quarterback movement behind the line of scrimmage, like going right, going left, throwing back. Um, I think you'll see a lot more of that. I think there's going to be an increased emphasis on the screen game in Washington. I don't know if it's going to work because I'm not sure their O-line's athletic enough to really make that work. Um, But I I think the offensively it's going to look different. Practices have certainly looked different. The the pace of practice has increased – 15, 20%, I would say. So if in a regular training camp practice last summer had, what would you say, 50 plays of 11 on 11, it's the same time on the clock. It's still a 15-minute increment, but now they're running 65 plays. Like It's just because they're moving so much faster, in turn, you're getting more work. Um if that has a traumatic impact, if that has a dramatic impact, we're not going to know until we see them play. But I think, I think they're setting themselves up to perhaps start faster, and that's something under Ron Rivera they have not done. Um, I mean, his records at various points in the last three years were one and five, two and six, two and seven, just ugly stuff early on. Um, now, as for the players complaining about the enemy, I so weirdly this doesn't pop nationally. Always, but Rivera has a habit of over speaking, saying the wrong thing. Like he just he he has these un unnecessary kicking of wasps of hornets' nests with not like frequently, but with some regularity. And we've kind of just become accustomed to it. Um, the enemy thing kind of popped nationally, I think, because enemy is like kind of at an inflection point, like, why can't this guy get a head coaching job? And so people are searching for an answer to that, probably ignoring the reality that, like, black dudes just don't get head coaching jobs at the same rate white dudes do, and that shouldn't be the case, but is. And they're like, oh, well, maybe he doesn't get head coaching jobs because he yells at the players. I I think this was really elevated to be something that it wasn't. I think what probably happened – and. I kind of think that's on good authority is like a couple guys were like, man, we're running so much. You got to give us a day with a little bit of a break. And Ron's like, talk to Eric. It's, it's his world. Now I'm letting him run practice. And, and like that was a two out of 10 and became like a nine out of 10, just by the way it was said and reported and like move forward. Um, but honestly, offensively, they've been <laughs> mediocre to bad for so long that if, if, if he's making them run more, I don't. No fans are going to be worried about it. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I do think that, you know, with Ron, Ron Rivera addressing it the way that he did, it definitely takes it from a local storyline to a national storyline because we are analyzing everything these head coaches are saying, right? Especially with somebody like Eric Bieniemy coming in, you know, high-profile offensive coordinator change, right? Moving from the same role to another role, which is the same exact thing on another team. We're going to be paying attention to that, right? So, so I, So in terms of, like, the offense itself have you seen any sort of like this team is focusing more uh, on the pass game or the run game obviously you know sam howell this is his first year starting at quarterbacks and maybe you don't want to put too much on his shoulders but are you seeing anything you know to to suggest that this might end up being a more of a balanced offense more of a run heavy offense have you seen anything to suggest either yeah you know it'd be interesting because i mean having been at training camps now for a decade you generally see more pass game work in training camp because you're just not going to run it all the time against your own defense, chew up your own linemen, your own backs. You just don't want to get that much extra work on them. Um, and then think about how much of training camp and practice is like seven on seven. <laughs> like you're never going to run it there. So you see more of the passing stuff. I do think, and I, I've talked to some other people on the beat about this. A lot of this speaks to the low bar of quarterback play in Washington, so I want to be clear that I'm not trying to overstate. But Sam Howell is probably having the best training camp we've seen a Washington quarterback have, maybe going all the way back to Kirk Cousins in, 28, in 2017. Um, Alex, pre-injury, just looked like he was trying to figure out the offense. Alex Smith actually had a really good training camp when he came all the way back after the injury in 2020, but everybody was so terrified of letting him on the field. It was like a very bizarre situation. Um, so I, I think Howells looked pretty good. He's got a big arm and he, he, he most of the time is smart when it's quick trigger and just getting the ball out fast. Um, I think Jahan Dotson from a fantasy, fantasy perspective is poised for a really big year, but it, I, there's this weird crossroads for the commanders ignoring the ownership stuff and like everything else going on, but you've got a coaching staff that kind of needs a playoff berth, at least if not a playoff win. And, and they're also trying to develop a young passer. That's probably going to turn it over a fair amount. Cause that's what young passers do. And that just seems like a contradiction in a lot of ways. Like if you really care about how you got to just leave them on the field through the good and the bad. But if you really care about a playoff win, maybe you got to go to a guy like Brissett, who it's not going to be sexy. I, I highly doubt Jacoby Brissett gets a lot of fantasy starts. Um, maybe, you know, he's a decent runner, but just the passing totals have always been quite, you know, low. Um, but he doesn't turn it over much. So that will be interesting. As far as the offense, I think they should try to run the ball a lot. But this is a West Coast Andy Reid system where – you know, if it finishes 60-40 passing, running, I, I think that'd be pretty solid. Yeah, no, I hear that. And, you know, Howell was named the starter week one. He, he's he's just an intriguing quarterback to me. You know, when I consider those lower-end quarterbacks, you know, especially in fantasy, I look at Howell as someone who has, like, the upside to really outperform expectations, right? Like, I look at what he's done in college before his weapons were taken away. And I honestly – I. I couldn't believe where he was drafted in the NFL. I, I understand that QB is drafted that late usually don't amount to much, but he has weapons now, right? He has 
a true wide receiver one, like a real NFL wide receiver one in Terry McLaurin. And you mentioned Jahan Dotson. I think he could potentially after this year cement himself as one of the better wide receiver twos in the NFL. Curtis Samuel helps Antonio Gibson out of the backfield helps set up for success, I think, right, for him. So, you know, you mentioned that he has had one of the better the better training camps you've seen in a few years. You know, should I be pumping the brakes a little bit? I mean, I, I'm looking at him as a potential upside guy I can take later on. Now, I, I, no. I, I wouldn't want to depend on him, but I think, you know, as somebody who could potentially break out with everything surrounding him, Eric Bieniemy and all that, do you think that Sam Howell could be that guy? I think from a fantasy perspective, not winning yes. on the like winning actual football games. From right. a fantasy perspective, I think I think Howell's gonna give you some some decent to perhaps good rushing totals. And and I think people kind of sleep on that. So yeah, I, I think if you're talking like your backup or if you're in a two quarterback league and he's you know, a, a possible second quarterback. Yeah, I think he could be a sleeper there. I wouldn't want to roll into week one in a standard league with him as my starter just because it's so unknown. But right. I, I'm with you, man. I, I think the weapons they have, if the enemy is the guy, which there's real reason to believe, uh, the guy's been in OC, you know, on two Super Bowl teams in the last three years. He's won a ring. I, I think now he hasn't done it himself yet. He'll get that opportunity this year, but conceptually, conceptually, it's the same product that Mahomes is running, where dudes are just wide open. Now you don't have Mahomes, you don't have Kelsey. That's different. But I, I think there's reasons to want to buy Sam Howell for sure. The biggest problem, real football and Maho- and Howell wise, is the offensive line they've assembled. And I just there's real questions kind of all over. You got four new starters. Um, it's possible they're good. It's possible everybody stays healthy and, and they finish, even, you know, about middle of the pack in the NFL, which I think if that happens, this offense could be pretty functional, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, I think they got real questions on the edges and the interior at depth. Uh, so I think Rivera has built his best team that he's had in Washington, but I do think it's possible they're undone by a lack of depth on the O-line. Yeah, and, and that's that's a, definitely a concern. That's one of the concerns that I have as well when it comes to this entire this entire offense, including the run game, you know, including the what they're capable of, their their upside. That's like the one thing. You look at the skill positions and you're like, oh, okay, they're 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 looking pretty good. But that offensive line is that, you know, that little, you know, hidden piece there that still isn't, you know, all the way there. Um, now Terry McLaurin, we were talking about him earlier. He hasn't been so lucky when it's come to the guy who's throwing him the ball, right? Ever since he's coming to the NFL, his ceiling hasn't yeah. been reached, right? right? Have you seen a chemistry between Howell and McLaurin yet to the point where it's possible that he can reach new heights, right? And also considering Howell's style of play, right? Or is Howell, you see him kind of spreading the ball around a little bit, maybe to someone like Jahan Dotson, who's also extremely talented, or does it really look like McLaurin is his true you know, wide receiver one that he's targeting a ton? I mean, if you go back and watch the – so Howell got to start week 18 last year against the Cowboys, and in that game, Terry had 75 yards and a touchdown, um, including a really pretty deep ball down the right sideline. Um, 
I, I think Sam's going to look for Terry plenty. I, I think he'll also look for John. I think, you know, if people are excited about Curtis Samuel or, or something, I, I may wait a little bit, but I, I yep. think, I, I think, I think this offensive system will allow for Terry and Jahan to be viable fantasy players as well. I mean, I think in real life, I, I think they're really going to help. But I, I think you can look at both as a viable fantasy option. I mean, Terry's put up 1,000-yard seasons with – last year he had Wentz and Heineke. The, the only thing that's kind of – I don't want to say changed. Terry doesn't have a ton of touchdowns in the last two years. I think he had seven as a rookie, but only you know four, I think, each of the last two seasons. Dotson last year had seven as a rookie, and Dotson runs really clean routes and has, for a guy that's not that big, he has really long arms and great hands. So I, I think he might be a real good red zone option for them. And Washington has amassed like a a, a gang of super tall, lanky tight ends. Logan Thomas is is the headliner, but he's been hurt and missed a lot of time. This dude Cole Turner is a legit. Six five, uh, the guy behind him, Curtis Hodges, like six six. I do think those guys could be red zone threats too. Um, so interesting things that could eat away at Terry in the red zone. But I, I'm considering what he's done in his time in Washington. I would never bet against Terry McLaurin. Uh, and I was going to ask you about Cole Turner, man. I, I, actually, because um, you know Logan Thomas, you know. We know how effective and how talented he is when he's on the field, right? But that that's that's the question with him, right? And Turner seems to be playing kind of well behind him. Like Howell found him, found him a few times last week. We'll see how they do tonight. But, you know, he only missed one route among all of Howell's dropbacks last week. And so should we be kind of paying attention to Cole Turner a little bit, you know, in case Thomas ends up missing some time this, this year? I think he maybe should be regardless. I, I mean, if you look at what – the Chiefs offense has done historically a lot of two tight ends out there. And, and I believe the Chiefs last year led the NFL in 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field. Um, I like Turner. I, I was really high on Turner coming out of camp last year. And then he just like kind of fought injuries all season. So I promised myself that I wouldn't be pushing the Cole Turner hype train again until I see yeah. it for a few weeks in the regular season. But dude, he's already he was a college wide receiver for three years. Right. And I think smartly, whether it was an agent or a coach, whoever, somebody said, dude, to make it in the pros, you're probably going to have to play tight end. So his senior season at Nevada, he technically plays tight end, but he's lined up in the slot a ton, posts some big numbers, gets drafted. But that rookie season converting from primarily a wide receiver, your whole life to a tight end in the NFL, where you're on the line of scrimmage against massive, massive dudes, I think it was a serious adjustment, and I think he got beat up pretty quick. And now he's done it for a year, maybe knows how to do it. Um, I, I'm quite intrigued by Turner. It seemed very much that he had some rapport with Howell in that Browns game. Um, the fourth down throw Howell made to pick up a first down, it was fourth and three. Howell had to buy time, move to his right, move to his right. Turner – like good receivers do when he realized the play broke down, like turned his body, came back to the ball, found a little soft zone. That kind of stuff matters, dude. And, and I think Turner, Turner, bigger guys, I think, have to gain separation legally, but like with their head and their shoulders. And, and I think he's really good at that. 
um, kind of selling something inside and then going out. So I like Turner, dude. I, I, I'm trying to – I promised myself that I would remain chill about it till I see it for a little while in the, in the, in the regular season. But if it's – if you're in a crazy deep draft or you just have some throwaway picks at the end of a regular draft, I find him a very intriguing prospect. Considering Logan Thomas hasn't practiced in two weeks – and missed a lot of time last year. So, yeah, I, I mean, All right. I find it intriguing. That's, that's, that, that's the insight that we like to hear, man. Um, now, talk about EB coming over, man. My, my initial thoughts when he came over, I was like, all right, I don't know how Brian Robinson fits this offense. That, you know, maybe he wants someone more versatile on the field like an Antonio Gibson, right? Maybe him coming on the field. Or not having to tell also when Robinson's on the field, like, oh, we're going to run the ball, right? And, the stats show that Gibson is one of the most, the better, one of the best pass catching running backs in the NFL, efficiency wise. And there's been talking about Gibson's role growing, you know, but is it actually changing, right? Is he going to get more looks on early downs? Does it seem like he's just going to get like a passing down role, like a JD McKissick type of role, you know, not much more than that? So I'm really curious to know if Robinson is still going to be as involved or more involved as last season. And I'm wondering if I'm not as high as I should be on Brian Robinson because I'm not, but I, what I saw last week, it looked like a 50, 50 split. He ran a bunch of routes as well. So a- am I, am I too low on Brian Robinson? Probably um, a, a couple things. I want to start with one thing that has impressed me throughout getting to know the enemy a little bit is he seems wildly smart and intuitive. Um, and I think he knows how to push his players Both those backs, Robinson and Gibson, have said how they feel like they're in the best shape of their life. And that gets said a lot. Like, that's a running joke at spring training and baseball, whatever. But, dude, the backs, every time they touch the ball in an 11-on-11 play, they have to sprint it to the end zone. And so, a lot of times, that's like a 50-yard, 60-yard sprint, and those guys are doing it. Um, I think – what we saw from last year, Brian Robinson suggested that he can't really be a dynamic player. Um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, he, there's a lot of tough yards, but not a lot of burst. I, you got to remember he was shot last August and he missed five weeks because he was on IR dealing with the lingering effects of getting bullets out of his leg. Um, I would prior to that last summer, he looked dynamic. He's looked that way this summer. Um, he's also, Caught the ball a lot more than I expected, uh, both screen games and just like a little check down stuff. Um, I think the best way to look at it, if you look at the last six, six games and playoffs of the Chiefs season and you look at the usage for Pacheco and Jet McKinnon, I, I think that's your best kind of vantage point into what we could see with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And I think it's Gibson in the McKinnon role and Robinson in the Pacheco role. Um, Not that they're exactly the same player, obviously, but they're fairly comparable. Um, And I think a lot of it will come down to, and and I think both guys are are capable um, pass pro. I I think if these tackles struggle, if there's trouble in the interior, interior pressure is really going to be tough for Sam Howell because he's not that tall. They probably list him at 6'1", and he's probably not quite that tall. And if you if you have guys coming right up the middle on him, I think that's going to impact him. So I think 
of those two guys, at least early on, whoever proves better in pass pro will be on the field a lot. Um, they also really like this rookie, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, who runs super hard. Uh, I'm not sure I see a ton of carries for him right away, but you never know. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't underrate Ryan Robinson or Robinson and Gibson are both good players. And I think, you know, if you told me those two combined for, now you never know health, right? But like assuming you get 15 games out of, say, say you get 30 games from those two guys, I'd give you a combined stat line of 2,100 yards now rushing and receiving and 12 TDs. You know, like yeah. it, if you cut that in half, that's certainly viable for a fantasy. Oh, yeah. uh, very. And, you know, I, I kind of give the edge to, to Robinson too, when it comes to, you know, goal line, short yardage. Yeah. Right. I, I think he'll get more carries for sure. Right. So if, if, if we're going to look at like the way that I saw them last year, like, uh, you know what I have it, I actually I think I have it right here. You know, Brian Robinson, they both ran seven routes. They both had, you know, Brian Robinson had 11, 11 snaps to Gibson's 10 snaps, and then they both ran seven routes each with the first team. So if, if that's what we're looking at here, if Brian Robinson is going to be running routes, if he's going to get more carries, if he's going to get, in, if he's going to be getting goal line work, short yardage work, then I'm probably too low on him. And it seems like that, you know, he might get the edge for me if that's the case. But Gibson's, you know, his upside in receiving him is so big, especially in PPR leagues when you consider that. He's a very intriguing player, right? So, so you know, it's interesting. It seems like both of these guys are going to be somewhat fantasy relevant. Maybe a little bit of a headache for fantasy, but at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, we might be, I personally have been, you know, not as high on, on Brian Robinson, you know, up until this point. I, Dude, I get it. I really do. But <laughs> I think he can play, dude. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll see, man. All right. So that's that's pretty much what we had, man. So I really, really appreciate it, JP. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you can find JP on Twitter at JP Finley. NBCS, you, you could just search JP Finley on Twitter. You'll find him. And you can also find him on 106.7 The Fan from 10 to 2 every weekday. JP, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Dude, I realized I just said all these great things about the commander skill position players and their offense is ranked bottom five in yards gained <laughs> straight years. So maybe I'll be proven to look like an idiot, but thank you for having me. hundred <laughs> percent, man. I appreciate you, man. Take it easy.